Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Sandra L. Rosarola. Sandra, how are you doing today? Hi, Daniel. I am great. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yeah, very of excited course. to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited that you're here because I've been, I was telling, I was just talking to another author earlier, and it's so funny that she was at the Comic-Con I was at because I had no idea she was going to be there. And um, so when we were talking at the Comic-Con, I was like, she like started following me on Twitter. So then I came home and I went to go follow her and I realized I was already following her because of TikTok. And it's funny because that's where I found you as well. And it seems that TikTok has taken place of Twitter for me, you know, and it's easier to find people on TikTok like yourself. So mm-hmm. I threw out, you know, um, a message to you and quite a few people on TikTok this week. And I was excited. You were one of five people to get back to me and that we were able to schedule. So it's been a, a great resource recently. So I was really happy that, you know, we could connect and uh, get this going for you. So I'm excited for, you know, to get all the book talkers on here as many as I can. So (laughs) Uh, we'll start with that first question there, Sandra. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Wow, my writing journey. I like to call myself an accidental novelist. Oh, I so like prior that. To, yeah, I know. Prior to writing my novel, I was actually writing screenplays. Oh, wow. And um, my husband's a composer, and oh, he cool. decided one day that he wanted to write a ballet. And I went, oh, well, that's cool. I'll be your librettist because a ballet story is very short. There's like eight to 15 pages. Okay. And so I'm like, great, let's go ahead and do this. And we got inspiration from Leonardo um, da Vinci paintings, mm. the different characters and everything. Yeah, yeah. And so it started off with basically five acts because that's what a ballet normally is, five acts. Mm. And very simple titles, Cecilia in Plockton, Cecilia goes on a journey, you know, these five basic titles. And so then I started writing and I'd hand over the pages to my husband. And he kept saying, that's great keep writing and so I did I kept writing and kept writing (laughs) I got to about 90 pages and I handed it to him and he said oh I'm not going to do the ballet story ballet anymore because he got really busy with his film score work Mm. and I I literally just looked at these 90 pages and I said well what am I supposed to do with these and he said write the novel (laughs) and so but initially I didn't I really didn't I resisted because (laughs) If you think about, like, I don't know if you've ever written screenplays before, but the reason I liked screenplays is they're they're quite, what's the word? Like you can write something like there's a house, but you don't have to describe the house. Yeah, yeah. The set designer does that. You know, there's a whole group of people that are going to do all this for you. Totally different style. Totally different. And so, but when it came to writing the book, I realised I needed to know everything I needed to know my characters their backstory I needed to know the mythology I couldn't just say he's the goddess of light and here's her dark shadow I so had to come up with well, where did they come from how did they exist and I, I really resisted but then <laughs> I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and it just grew like a seed right you're a writer you know how that goes yeah, yeah, yeah. Seed, and then it sprouts and these little you know it grows branches and leaves <laughs> and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah, so I just, I wrote it and I never, at the time it was a standalone book. There was not supposed to be book two oh, okay. and book three. Book two and book three came along because everyone says, what's next? Yeah. Is there another book? Is there another book? I'm like, nope, there's not. <laughs> but I kept getting hassled. And so I thought, well, 
okay, let's see what I can do. And I came up with book two and book three. So, um, but the exciting thing about book one, so I had no idea how to write a story when it came to a novel. I didn't know about point of view. That was very confusing for me. I didn't quite understand that whole concept of point of view. So I just wrote and it was my beta readers that helped me because I was getting feedback like I don't quite know whose point of view I'm in mm. and I'm laughing because I'm like, well, because I didn't necessarily choose a point of view. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I went and did a bunch of research and I started to understand, oh, that's what they mean by point of view. So I took it into a limited point of view. Mm. So with saying Cecilia's point of view, um, I would jump into someone else's point of view, mm. but within a chapter. Yeah, yeah. And that became problematic because then when I hand it off to my editor, the book one is basically laid out that it's a long journey. The first half of the book is a long journey between Cecilia and her love interest, Amelard. And then the second half, there's a whole bunch of characters come in. So it was in the second half that I did those multiple points of view. Mm. But in the first half, there was only one point of view, Cecilia's. <laughs> and my editor said to me, she said, you know, you could have a problem there with your readers yeah. because, you know, they're, they're expecting one thing and then halfway through the book it becomes something else. Yeah. So that was another kind of like flop down on the bed. What am I going <laughs> to do? And I'm not shy. I will tell you I cried. I did. I, I flopped on the bed and I cried because I knew that I had all the this story that I had to tell, but I needed Cecilia, my main character, to know everything. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I sure. had all these other characters, and if I'm in their point of view, they're able to feed things to the reader that help with the plot. But if they're not telling the story anymore, I'm like, but that's important story. How yeah. do I get it into Cecilia's point of view? Yeah. So that was a real struggle a real learning process but I did it I figured it out <laughs> and I was able to write finish off book one with everything in Cecilia's point of view and I went ahead and published it and I won quite a few awards with it yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. really excited about that that yeah, was kind cool. of crazy um, I really wasn't expecting to win awards beginner's luck probably <laughs> Maybe so. That's what everybody says, but I, I feel like that. I just, it's funny because you said that because somebody just mentioned that to me the other day where I was like, I private messaged them, like, um, I had them on recently, and um, I don't know if anybody's supposed to know, so I can't that they won the award, so I can't think I can say, but they're like, Yeah, this is really cool. I was like, That is really cool. And they're like, Oh, yeah, it's because it's my book too. And I'm like, What are you talking about? I was like, No, it's, it's skill, it's skill. That's what it is. Because <laughs> there's so many people, I just want to point that out because there's so many people that you know, have a book one that don't, you know, that they can't get it out there, you know? So if you're winning an award, I mean, I, I feel like you're, you're doing it for a reason, you know, and, you know, um, one of my friends where I saw where they said the same thing and, you know, I checked out a, a couple of their, um, you know, like excerpts and stuff from their book. And I was like, no, I totally get why you want an award. You know, I'm like, it's just, you know, skill is what I would have to say so I don't think well, I don't think it's a step into it yeah true true but one thing I'll definitely say is you do as all writers should have beta readers yep. editors and proofreaders it's you just have to and I think there are a lot of people that sort of skip those steps oh for sure all and the it's time. really important I, I can't tell you 
how my story changed when my editor got her hands on it. She didn't change any of the plot or anything like that, but, boy, I'm just there going, she has sliced out 10,000 words. (laughs) (laughs) But what has she done? You know, just cleaning up sentences where all of a sudden you think, oh, this actually sounds like a proper paragraph. This sounds like someone <laughs> else has written this, you know, but that, that's the skill of the editor to, yeah. to craft those things. So, yeah, I, I lucked out with my editor that I got for Cecilia. She, she was really good. She really helped me a lot. I think that's another thing too is like I think that is very lucky, you know, like when you do find a really good editor, like um, I was talking to uh, Sarah Chorn about this recently, um, we're friends on Facebook and, um, you know, we were saying that, you know, how it's just, I've, I've known some people recently who are like, oh, I just feel like they're like, I'm not going to say their name, but they're like, oh, it's just, you know, this is not, this has not been a good partnership. I think you definitely, you know, like you do luck out. I feel like you, you know, and I know a couple of people where they've literally like Michael R. Fletcher, like he talked about, he shopped around quite a bit, you know, he's had a couple of different ones and, you know, mm-hmm. some have worked out and some haven't. And I think, you know, like people do need to be aware that it, it is a lot like, um, it's very similar to a co-author, you know, like if you want to be with somebody a little bit more long-term, I think you definitely have to find a, you know, a good, a good fit, but sometimes it's a good fit and you're lucky, right? Like yours. And I I did get lucky. Yes. It was definitely really good. So yeah. So that's sort of my writing journey in regards to, you know, three books are out there. um, And yeah, we'll see what else happens. Yeah. That's no, so interesting that it started off as a ballet. That's just such a it cool, like. started off as a ballet. That's neat. Yeah, that's and, really cool. I mean, not to jump the gun with other projects, but the laugh is the current project that I am working on, again, started as a Oh, ballet. wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we can talk about that later when I want to yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. projects. Oh, but that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. Maybe that's like your thing. Maybe you should just write about, like it clearly Look, works. I think it is my thing. <laughs> I think it is my thing. My uh, I took some classes at UCLA. So I'm in Los Angeles. I'm an Australian living in Los Angeles. And I took classes in LA and one of them was story analysis classes. And my teacher said to me, he's like, you are amazing with dialogue. Your dialogue's amazing. He said, but, you know, sometimes you might want to partner up with someone when it comes to story. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I will admit, like, I've got other stories that I've written. There's one story I've got with a publisher at the moment, fingers crossed on that one. It's a coming-of-age story. Mm. And it really just is more of this slice-of-life, very contained little story. But I definitely do struggle when it comes to just these bigger concepts. Mm. I I just do. And if it wasn't for, I I think, because I just wouldn't think to just think of this big story that, Cecilia book one was Mm. but it just helped to have my husband just plant out these basic things of we're going to start off because because he had a certain feel about what the music was going to be Mm. like we need to start off in this very pastoral kind of innocent place so we're in this forest then we're going to have these antagonists come in that are very dark and I don't know I just it just was like that's what's going to happen we're going to have this one person move from a very um innocent place to this very dark place it's a basic concept Mm. right but basic concept and that's pretty much all I was given but my head just never would go there normally I think Mm. that I know that that makes sense no it makes makes total sense I'm, I'm certainly used to very smaller like the book that is with the 
publisher at the moment, this is a much more contained slice of life mm. story. So, so anyway, getting back to that, when when I was told in the UCLA class that you know, partner up with someone that knows bigger stories. That's what my husband does for me. He he takes me out of my comfort zone. Mm. He he just throws these crazy things. And I go, get really scared. I run away, <laughs> go, I can't do that. Then I think about it. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay, I'm going to do this. So, yeah. Um, he, he's been amazing. He's, yeah, he's yeah. The, my biggest supporter when it oh, comes awesome. to writing. He's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's very, very interesting. Like, I feel yeah. like um, I do get what you mean, though, because, like, I wrote, like, I almost sold, like, two screenplays back in high school and, the only reason I didn't was because my old teacher was like, yeah, they're going to butcher them. And he, like, he knew the people and he was like, yeah, they're not, they're not going to be anything like what you sold them. And I was like, really? And I was like, well, I might as well just keep them and, oh. <laughs> you know, do something with them later. And I mm-hmm. thought about turning one into like a graphic novel. It's like kind of like a, a vigilante like type story, but it's like grittier kind of like Sin City. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't sell it. Um, it wasn't going to be enough really to, to do much. And, it would have been like a feather in my cap, so to speak, but I was worried with, there's like a weird contract and stuff. And I was just like, no, I want it to be this thing. I was like, this is what makes it cool. Um, so I, I totally get what you mean. And then I had to like, I was writing my first one, like a screenplay because I had written two. And then I was like, yeah, my, <laughs> the professor in college. And she was like, yeah, this does not work. She was like, you are forgetting all these other parts. So I definitely understand that it was a huge learning curve. Cause that's what I practiced with quite a bit. So I was like, well, I want to do this for a while. And then I realized that I, I, that's not what I wanted to do, but it was still my writing style. So I definitely understand there. It's very different. Yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever go back to screenplays ever again, other than converting my books into a mm. screenplay. Oh, I will cool. do that, but I, I won't ever write a spec to script again. Yeah. It's not my thing. It's just yeah. not. Okay. I could see, I could see your trilogy for sure being, you know, like on TV or something like that. Like that'd be like really cool. same. Yeah. I don't actually see them as films. I don't see them as films. I definitely yeah. see it more as a story because yeah. as we all know, there is a bunch of things you can't put in the story, especially when you're writing something from a limited point of view. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. There are a whole bunch of things that had to go away. But I'm like, yeah. but I've got all those stories for if we need to turn into a series, we've certainly <laughs> got these other things that we can talk about. That yeah, yeah. thank you for saying that. I would love for it to be Yeah, it'd be cool. That was like the first thing I thought of when I was, you know, looking at your blurbs and everything and reviews and things like that. And just the covers alone just made me think like in the titles, I was just like, oh, this would be so cool. Um, I was just talking to my buddy. Uh, Cause he was asking me like, you know, he, we're, we're both, we actually just bought a couple books together today to share um, just to get some extra ones uh, and bring home. We've been like sharing them. And he, he was like, who do you have on today? I was like, well, I have this person. And I was like, Sandra. And I was like, showing him. He was like, yeah, he's like, that would be really cool. And um, we've been talking a lot about like P- Patricia Briggs needed to do a TV show. And we were talking about like other authors that should do the same thing. So your name came up for that. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're really excited to, to book club. I think we're going to do book one uh, fairly soon. I think it's in June or something like that. So pretty excited there. So yeah, he said the same thing. He was like, oh yeah, for sure. I was like reading the blurbs, like, oh yeah, for sure. And he's like, <laughs> that should be a TV show. And we're like really missing, you know, the older, um, you know, like it's kind of sad that True Blood's like old now, you know, but like, and like some of the sci-fi shows, you know, that were out and 
you know, it's just like, there was a lot of really cool urban fantasy. And now I feel like there's not as much and, or even like, like grim dark fantasy, you know, they're just, I don't know, like that, that's just like, now that I'm into those types of books or just different styles of, you know, of books, I just think that I just want more TV shows now. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm ready now, you know, like that kind of thing. Like I wasn't yeah. ready for Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it first came around, but now I'm like, I love it. You know, there's just, I don't yeah. know, there's just certain grim dark things that I, I got really into or just certain things in fantasy where I'm like, I just feel like there's not enough on TV now. There's not nearly enough. Like, I just eat up whatever's out there. And I just think like yours would be really cool. And it sounded really interesting story-wise. I'm like, we were like, yeah, it'd be really cool to see it on screen, but not a movie because I feel like they ruin them. So. No, I, <laughs> I, I don't see them as movies either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> you would have a leg up though to do your own screenplays though. Like, and you know, and you have I've already so. done I actually did turn book one into a, a feature oh, that's cool <laughs> submitted it to Nichols I don't oh, know if you know cool. many of the screenwriting competitions yeah, yeah got yeah. into the top 15 percent oh wow and I that's got awesome. into the top 15 percent twice and apparently that's oh, wow. considered good because yeah, yeah. you can get into like a semi-finals one year and then just not place it all with the same screen, yeah, yeah, right? yeah so it means that both times it went in even with the different readers it's still wow. made it's still placed in the top 15. So that's, that that's impressive. That I'm, exciting. Yeah, yeah. I've known people that like do that, like write screenplays for a living that, you know, um, for different like studios and stuff that, that tried that and didn't even, didn't even get close to that even once. So that's like, oh. that's really cool. That's impressive. <laughs> that's it's, really neat. It's, it's tough. I think, I think it means it needs to be a TV show. Like, <laughs> I think so. I do. Anybody listening, we got to blow this up so we can get, yes, you know, exactly. more. <laughs> I, my wife, she's like, you're horrible. She's like, you just want all fantasy and sci-fi on TV. I'm like, I'm like, Law and Order has had its day. Like, it's fine. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, for that second one there. So now I'm really interested uh, for you to tell our audience. So what is your Cecilia series about? And uh, you told us a little bit how you came up with this idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the series itself is, how could I explain it? I guess you could explain it as a a young woman's attempt to take all the bad out of the world, right? To just make the world good. Um, but so book one itself is about Cecilia, who lives this very idyllic life in the Plockton Forest, and she knows nothing about the outside world. And then one day, raiders come in, sack her village, kill everyone except her, and then steal the young men. She was able to escape, and they steal the young men. And so she decides to go save her brothers. And along the way, she gets kidnapped by this other man. We don't really know who he is, but just this guy called Amalad. And the two of them coming together, that is the beginning of this prophecy that's in place. So in the book world of fantasy, yes, I hit a lot of tropes. So we have a prophecy, which is considered a trope. We have the chosen one, which is considered a trope, which is fine because the, the thing is people love tropes. If you're in fantasy, for the most part, oh, yeah. they're very tropey. And so they're the tropes that I have. Cecilia's the chosen one. And the basic premise is the goddess of light is dying and because evil has taken over, her dark shadow has taken over. And if the goddess of light dies, then everyone will die as well. So it's Cecilia's job to get to Vetus, which is our post-apocalyptic city where everything, where we've just got a bunch of um, oppressed people and ruling senators that are, you know, don't really care about their people. 
And she's got to bring light to this place. And bringing light means she's got to start a war. (laughs) She's got to, you know, she's got to stand up and fight the senators. And what we find out with Amelard, this, this assassin guy who was supposed to kill her, he doesn't kill her. And he's got his own journey. He doesn't understand why he doesn't kill her, but he just doesn't. But it turns out he's a descendant from a long line of Croileteer, and the Croileteer were in place to protect the prophecy, quote-unquote, protect Cecilia. So he's Cecilia's protector. So we have a slow burn romance, a mm-hmm. slow burn love story in book one with Cecilia and Amelard. Oh, yeah, our, second, our third trope is enemies to lovers. So they start off as enemies and by the end of it, they are lovers. So that's pretty much book one in a nutshell of, um, I guess, in when we talk about fantasy and superhero type things, we could call this an origin story. Yeah. So book one is the origin story about Cecilia figuring out who she is and what's going on and Amelard figuring out who he is because he's he was born he was brought up to be an assassin that's all he's known he's he's never known how to protect he's certainly never known how to love love is something he knows nothing about and and so he's like this onion with layers constantly getting peeled Mm. in book one as well so that was kind of it of course you know I don't spoiler alert I don't think it's too much (laughs) of a spoiler alert to say that there was a battle and Cecilia wins is that a spoiler alert I mean it's fantasy we all expect that there's going to be a happy ending um, I sort of left it open with basically Cecilia, you know, the, the narration saying if the dark goddess comes back, Cecilia will be prepared, right? But I didn't, that was it. I never thought there was going to be a book two and book three. <laughs> but there is a book two and book three. <laughs> so what I will say, book one can be read on its own. Book two can be read on its own. You don't need to read book one. But book three, no. Book two and book three are, are very much connected mm. because I actually wrote them together. I I, oh, okay. I planned out the, the story to go over two books. And so, yeah, book two does leave you with the cliffhanger, mm. but the reviews I've been getting, are it's a great cliffhanger. And mm. the fact that book three is out there yeah, and it yeah. came out within six months, people aren't mad. <laughs> They're not <laughs> mad that they have to wait because the book is out there. So book two pretty much is it, the stakes just get ramped up really high. And if we talk about fantasy, this is where I would say this is true fantasy. Book one I'd more describe as mythology. I mean, it's, fa- it's fantasy in that, yeah, okay, it's post-apocalyptic and the post-apocalyptic story is kind of this steampunk kind of things. And there are certain things that there's no way in real life would happen. I mean, if there's no electricity in Vetus, which is a pretty much a 20th century type city with skyscrapers, <laughs> and we've got in the basement of a sky of this site skyscraper are the prisoners that are using cogs and chains and rope to make the elevator go up and down. Mm. Like that wouldn't necessarily happen. That's like fantasy. With yeah. That's sort of my sort of loose fantasy that that can happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's as deep as it goes fantasy-wise. Otherwise, it's really just the mythology. And in book one, 
the mythology I say I describe it as it just still it lingers up high it doesn't really come into the world Mm. per se it does for Cecilia because she can hear the goddess of light talk to her but that's about it but in book two and book three we go deep fantasy because we have a group of people the Terephelians so book two is called the order of Terephelion and the Terephelians are sort of opposite to Amalad. Amalad's a croileteer okay. who protects the prophecy. The Terephelians have been hunting croileteer their entire lives because they don't want the prophecy protected because they worship the dark goddess mm. and their goal is to have her rule. And so through a ceremony they bring the dark goddess down to earth. And so then it's this whole big thing where she builds this dark army of these near indestructible monsters, basically. And Cecilia's journey in this one is to find a weapon. They, they've got this idea that there is this weapon that exists and it's a big journey to go off and find the weapon. Our two lovers, Cecilia and Amalad, get separated. They go on separate journeys. Mm. And I, I did that because I wanted to explore Amalad this time I got brave in book two and book three. And in book two and book three, I jump into different points of view every chapter. Mm. Remember how I said I tried to do it in book one? I didn't quite know what I was doing. Kept it safe in book one, kept it in one point of view. Book two and book three, I felt comfortable enough to jump chapter to chapter into points of view. And I really wanted to explore Amalad, who's this assassin who had just the worst childhood. Um, he just was right from being a baby. He was built to be an assassin, you know, locked away in um, what do you call it, a prison for days on end with no light, everything, to, anything to try and get him to be stronger and to not have emotion and to not feel pain. He'd get whipped, he'd get beaten and, and all these horrible things. And I wanted to explore his point of view of peeling off his layers so I took him off on a separate journey and I took Cecilia off on a separate journey and in book three they come back together to the but we still keep their points of view um and in book three Cecilia finds out that she's the weapon she Mm. was hoping they that they go on a journey to bring down the goddess of light down to earth as well and they were hoping the goddess of light was the weapon (laughs) but Cecilia finds out that Cecilia's the weapon that's cool Book three is called the Caladium, and a Caladium is is a flower. It is a real flower, and it's a poison flower. Mm. And so that's kind of the the twist. Cecilia has to poison the dark goddess, and to Mm. poison her, she's actually got to go inside her to poison her from the inside out. Oh, wow. I know. It's really kind of flowers of definitely a... um, a theme throughout the the story. The oh, book cool. one starts off with Cecilia being obsessed with a fairy tale called the Flower Princess and the Wolf. Mm. Well, it turns out that this fairy tale that Cecilia loves is the prophecy. Oh wow! Boiled back down to a fairy tale. That's cool. If that makes sense. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was something that yeah, and so she's obsessed by this flower princess. But she finds out she's the flower princess. That's cool. In that, so um, 
So that's why the last book, she's the caladium, she's the poison flower, and that's how she's got to try and kill the dark goddess. Oh, that's cool. I won't give spoilers away, but she pretty much has to give her life. Like that's the decision she needs to make. If mm. she does what she does, then she's giving up her life. Yeah. I said the weapon usually safety. doesn't survive. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's. <laughs> that's cool. That, that's very, that. very like, um, oh, because when I, when I was like reading your blurbs and reviews and things and taking, I was like really studying the covers. Um and like your titles and things. And it felt very like, um, oh, um, it's the TV show, like Into the Badlands. Um, mm. They just do such a great job with the post-apocalyptic, but world building and, you know, they have their own prophecies, they have this and that. And it was, it was such a great show. I can't believe AMC ever took it off. Um, but yeah, like there was a similar character um, who he's an assassin and what they call him like a clipper. And like he, has a very similar journey where he's a, an assassin and then goes to being a protector. And it's huh. like, it's yeah. such, it was such a cool, I think it was such a cool show because of his, like, you know, you, at first you just think, oh, he's this assassin. Like he's the greatest killer that anybody's ever seen. And then it just turns into this huge thing later on where it's like, you're just peeling back the layers. And so that's really cool for me. Cause it's very, I feel like it's a very similar type of, character study and you know you really mm-hmm. i don't know that's that's neat i'm i'm i'm, I'm very anxious for that character now um <laughs> in particular because i just i connect it with that but i was thinking too when you were saying this um you know describing you know your trilogy like kind of reminds you too a little bit of um like the feel of like what i really liked with like crims hemsworth and um everybody in uh like snow white and the huntsman like oh yes. i love that type of feel to it you know where it's like you're in the forest and there's mm-hmm. you know, these fairy tales and different things. Like, I just think there's not enough things like that, you know, um, particularly, you know, like on TV or, you know, or just even like stories, like I'm trying to find more stories with that type of feel. So that's when you were describing it. That's kind of where I was thinking. And, you know, then the huntsman's got a protector and, you know, and things like that instead of killer. And, and yep. it would end up being a very cool type of relationship, I feel like. So that's like, that's really draws me in and anytime there's an assassin <laughs> which I, I know, know. everyone loves assassins i know i don't know I if know. it's me and like my friend he goes assassins and thieves are like your thing i'm like i know i write about them yeah. all the time i'm like he's like maybe it's because like that's the opposite of you i said i don't know i said maybe it's, <laughs> it's i always play the paladin character i feel like i'm lawful good or something it's like i think it's boring you know to you know i just think it's interesting to get into someone else's head and assassins and thieves well, you know, what makes someone an assassin right <laughs> yeah what exactly to happen like yeah. what had to happen in their childhood yeah one thing i hate doing i really don't like writing characters that are bad just for the sake of being bad oh yeah it's you know, like i don't like that every even the senators in this story who are awful to their citizens they have their justification as to why they, they believe what they're doing is the right thing you know, and the lead soldier who's the one that's leading the raid who's to, on Cecilia's village, you know, he has a tragic story where he started off good. He started off good, but he just was asked more to do more and more things and even he turned awful. You know, I, I really like to make sure that my bad people aren't just bad for yeah. the sake of it. And then I don't really like my good people to just be good, like, Cecilia I mean okay so she grew up in a forest and 
she doesn't really know anything else and their world is all about nature and peace but she's a pain in the ass I mean she's not (laughs) perfect I mean you know she's she's kind of annoying I mean she really annoys Amelard and I understand that I mean (laughs) um so you know she's not perfect she doesn't want to be the chosen one she fights it she doesn't just embrace it straight away she's like hell no I want nothing to do with this a little bit like the author <laughs> to do with writing the story you know she really resists her role and um yeah so I try to write my characters to be human yeah yeah really. which I think is more exciting because I think that's why everybody really enjoyed you know the characters from Wheel of Time because they were very except for like even like Land and Moraine I feel like are very like they don't want like Land doesn't want Moraine to die Moraine doesn't want you know x y and z and it's like nobody really wants to be there mm-hmm. or do anything but they have to and i think that's just life right like it's thrust yeah. upon you and i yeah. think people connect with wheel of time more because the characters are more realistic and yeah you know, like really if it really if obi even like luke skywalker right like i i love that like with the hero's journey is like he didn't say yeah let's go fight the empire he said no i'm gonna stay here like you're a yeah. crazy old man and then his aunt you know sorry spoilers if you haven't seen star wars but you know, his <laughs> aunt and uncle are killed by stormtroopers and then he's forced to go on this you know adventure and i think that's yeah. how most people you know do react psychologically speaking like if if a portal opened behind me right now and somebody was like hey we got to go save the empire you know or the kingdom i'm like well i have school tomorrow right you know, like my wife's upstairs i'm like well, like can i can i go tell her or can we bring her like what are we doing you know and i I do think, you know, like everybody always says, oh, I would do this thing, but it's like, really, really? Or, no or would you be like, you know, Frodo or, you know, or Bilbo and want to stay <laughs> home and enjoy <laughs> your house, and read a book or, you know, watch Netflix yeah, right. or something. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. Well, that's awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. I think if any listener needs any more than that, um, you're on the wrong podcast. Um, no hard feelings or anything, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so would you classify yourself as post-apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy a mix why or why not as a writer based on where I'm going with my next series fantasy absolutely Mm. Cecilia the Cecilia series I call it fantasy but when I think about a book like I told you before book one was more mythology and post-apocalyptic but book two and three definitely go into fantasy um so yeah I I think I explained why I sort of thought it wasn't full fantasy the first yeah, time, yeah, yeah. right? Because it was just more yeah. mythology. So, but moving forward, I would definitely be more of a fantasy writer than a sci-fi writer, mm. which might seem strange because I'm actually a STEM girl. I'm oh, a okay. physics, chemistry, four unit, I don't know if you know, I mean, we call it four unit math in Australia. It's that mathematics that twists everything upside down. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. Um and that was what I loved doing. So one would think I'd probably like sci-fi, but I don't. I don't <laughs> like sci-fi because of the rules. I, even yeah, though you yeah, can yeah. kind of break the rules, there still really has to be. Yeah, this, different this expectations. Is total different expectations. Yeah. And I do like the idea of fantasy that you, you don't have rules, but you have to make your own rules if that makes sense like yeah they have to be your your rules have to be you you can do your rules but they have to be consistent Otherwise, exactly yeah the reader gets thrown yeah. off yeah whereas sci-fi I, I i feel that you're going to get ripped to shreds a little bit by the, the sci-fi real people that are into it yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go into something that's real based in reality but you're 
not you, you yeah you know what I'm trying to say no like, no totally, yeah, totally. I, well, I think about it all the time about. like you know like someone asked me today like I'm doing this book and um you know I, I typically do write fantasy but like I like talk to Dirk Ashen about this like I have certain ones where it's like it's more I like I like historical urban fantasy if that makes sense mm-hmm. like I'm doing yeah. like the lost Roman legion and they fight zombies and that's why they end up getting lost like a bunch of them get killed and I'm doing like a monster hunter thing with the survivors and mm-hmm. I'm like that's not really fantasy but it's not historical fiction it's not really urban fantasy so I'm like historical urban fantasy I feel like is perfect so and I just I actually really like stories like yours because like J, uh, J. Diane Dotson for instance like she does sci-fi but it's really like Star Wars it's like sci-fi fantasy like I just think like when you have like when I was reading your book and everything with like post-apocalyptic and you know some fantasy and maybe some steampunk I'm like that just sounds so cool because <laughs> I just think you took a lot of really cool things there and you like made it your own so I just get drawn into stories like that um, so I just always find it interesting also too, when people do something cool like that, but then classify themselves. Cause I was talking to somebody the other day, they're like, I don't know what I am. I just, it is <laughs> like, it, you know, it, it yeah. is hard. And then it's the whole point of, is there some, dystop- there's definitely dystopian elements mm. in it, especially once you get to Vetus, it's a very dysfunctional mm. society and that's all dystopian is oh, cool. it's just a dysfunctional kind of world. And so I got some of that as well. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. That that draws me in personally as a reader. So that's <laughs> really neat. Uh, so when it comes to building a post-apocalyptic world, how did you go about your world building? Yeah, I Google a lot of stuff. I find that I'm a very visual, visual writer in that if I've got the visuals in front of me, I can write it. I definitely don't have... I'm not good at imagining my own worlds. And I know that sounds really bizarre coming from a fantasy No, it writer. makes total sense. Makes total I, sense. I'm just not. But what I am good at doing is finding bizarre things, but that mm. bizarre thing sort of needs to, to get the inspiration. So, I mean, yeah, for specifics of a world, I definitely do a lot of Googling, get a lot of information, you know, mm. stuff, visuals that are out there. Yeah, I pin yeah. everything up on my wall. I, I, I put up a big story. Oh, that's board. a good idea. Yeah, big visual storyboard. I, I still like pointing up here. You guys can't see what I'm pointing <laughs> to, but I'm pointing to my wall up here. It's total sense. And that I can't tell you how much that really helps me. Like I, I'll just, I'll be coming to a new scene, like where where I know where the journey is going, and I won't really know where to how to start it. So I'll just look up at the wall, and the wall will tell me what I'm looking at, and that'll be what my character's looking at. So I just start describing what my character's looking at, and then it just sort of helps me get over that I like that a lot <laughs> and off, off I, like I go into my into my world yeah so I think I don't know if you can hear a bunch of clicking at all but I've got an electronic cat door <laughs> and my cat is trying to come in I'm like you drove me insane so I mean <laughs> I guess regard, a lot of familiars that's fine <laughs> um a post-apocalyptic world what I did in Cecilia is I thought about well what are going to be some other groups of people that also survived the apocalypse you know, we've got Cecilia's people who, when the war was happening, they ran. They ran away and they went all the way off into the forest and sort of lived underground, had to do the whole lived underground for a little while, you know, to escape the fallout. But they came up and they built a society. Something, well, who else could exist? 
And again, just from looking online, I saw dams. You sort of forget that a dam has a whole bunch of rooms. Mm. You see a dam, you see a big wall. Yeah, yeah. You forget that there's a whole bunch of stuff happening underground, a bunch of rooms. You've got the big turbines. Mm. And I thought, oh, a group of people could live down here. You know, and so that's how I developed another group of people, which I call oh, the ground cool. people. But they were a group of people that were too scared to ever come back up. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't come back up because they were too scared of the, the soldiers of Vetus. Yeah. So I had that group of people. Then you sort of like, well, what kind of society would be that kind of society that stays underground? Then for book two and book three, because I expanded the world, I was like, okay, well, what other people could we have? So, of course, we've got the Terrafellians, and I had to think, well, how did they survive this entire time and not get discovered by the scouting soldiers like Cecilia's? Mm. Forest got sacked. How come they haven't got sacked? Okay, where could they live? They live in a whole bunch of caves on these mm. mountain thing, mountainsides. But I found that because they exist. I was Googling and somewhere, I think either in the Middle East or somewhere, I saw this wall and there was a bunch of caves, like a group of people years ago used to live that kind of lifestyle. So that was them. That's how they survived. And then I wanted to have a technological kind of group of people. So I thought, okay, you know how there's the big fallout shelters that you hear that the government's going to go, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. they're going to take a thousand people and they're going to be scientists and they're going to be doctors and they're, you know, the top people. So I'm like, okay, what if there was a group of those people, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's their society? And then the last oh, group cool. of people that I wanted to have, it's because my world is very much, um, spiritual you know with the goddess of light and her dark shadow so we sort of got a belief system faith kind of thing i wanted to have a last group of people that were very science-based that didn't if you if i can't see it i don't believe it kind of thing and so that was another group of people that um i developed Hmm. to help tell the story of what's going on so in regards i know your question was how did i develop everything i think i just sort of i thought about in post-apocalyptic who could be the types of people that could survive and then when they did survive based on either their environment what would be their new society or based on what they learned from when the world collapsed Mm. right what would they bring into this new world and according to the science people, they felt religion it was why the world ended up collapsing. Mm. You know, they, they had their story about what happened, right? And so yeah. that's um, that's how I did that, if that answers. I don't know if that answers. No, it really, it really does. No, it really does. <laughs> but, I had a short story that I was like, oh, I want to do this thing. And I just was kind of stuck with it. And then I was like, oh, this would make a really cool, like, post-apocalyptic, like, book series, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've always like been stuck. So that actually is very helpful. I was just, I've been asking different people. Um, I have a few more people that have been, are going to come on. And um, I've had a few today where like they have dystopian or post-apocalyptic. So I just always find it interesting to see how somebody else has solved that problem. Uh, I find it helps me. And I've, I like asking those questions. I feel like it helps other people too, you know, if they're, you know, thinking about those types of genres. So I think that was actually a really good answer because I wrote down a couple of things there. It really makes me think, but I love your pin visual, like, like storyboard oh, idea. Like, the wall. I, I am huge visual. <laughs> it has saved me. It's a good idea. Big time. I mean, one, um, even in my screenplay, I 
guess you know where the, the feedback I got was oh you're you're very visual and I laugh I'm like I'm not <laughs> all I'm doing is I'm taking visuals that are out there and just describing them if that makes sense yeah. so um but I, I writers seem to like it. a big feedback I get a lot is people love the world building you know the world that they get pulled into this this world so I'm doing I guess I'm doing something right and when it comes to that and I I can only think it's my visual board that's yeah, yeah. helping me in regards yeah. to that yeah it must be your thing I'm definitely gonna yeah. try that out for sure this yeah. summer like because I always get stuck you know and I'm like then I go and I'm like I get stuck writing so then I'm like oh, I'm gonna take a break and then I go on Instagram or somewhere and I see great art and I'm like Ooh, shiny. And I'm like, I should write about that instead. And oh. it, like, I get all the ideas. So I actually yeah. think that'd be really cool. Cause I put them on, you know, on, on a word document or something, but you can't really see it, you know, like oh. you have to scroll. I think actually being able, I'm thinking of even like location, you mm-hmm. know, like putting up different locations of where my character goes in a story would be helpful just to that's pretty much you know, what I what I do. You cool. know, if I if I know that Cecilia is going through grassland or or even the um, they got to go across the salt lake. I got a picture of a salt lake and I stuck it up there. It just helps you think about well, when yeah. they're walking along the salt lake, what could happen to them? Yeah, yeah. You know, you just get pulled into it a lot more to to think because at no point did I know when I first started writing this, I didn't know that during the salt lake, Cecilia was going to pass out from dehydration. Like you don't know mm. that at the time. Yeah. I just had sort of mapped out. Went, well, here's the forest. Here's Vetus. What are some things they can go through in the journey? You know, one's going to be a swamp, mm. right, up over in a mountain, and um, yeah. oh, they'll go through a salt lake. So I, but I didn't know it was going to happen. But having that really helped map out, well, what can happen to Cecilia while she's Amalad's prisoner that can also help this relationship? You know, like if she, she passes out, this guy has to pick her up and carry her, and she's still his prisoner, but she's like, then it's a, a wake up for her. She's she realizes that this guy picked her up and carried her. He could have left her to die. Yeah, you know. So he does clearly care to a certain extent. You know, they're all just little things that yeah, um, for me helped pull out character. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, offer a moment of you know what can happen that will be push the plot basically. Yeah. Well, I got to thank you. I think you just fixed two of my books right now. Oh, just with this, because like I have this group where it's like kind of like a Lord of the Rings sort of thing where they go to a lot of places to do this thing. And then they, yeah. And I'm like, I kept getting, I was like, well, I have these, you know, I, so I have the, I still have the, um, the word document I put. So I think I'm going to print them tomorrow and then, and then put them up. Cause I think actually seeing where they go, you know, and just to have something and then to fill in later. So I think you just fixed two of my plot whole books. So it's, it's, I want to thank you for that. <laughs> it's very, very, I mean, I've read somewhere when it comes to um, your roadblocks that you got to, yeah. you know, put up, you can have the, the roadblock can be physical, like an actual physical block. You know, they run into a big wall that they got at, like yeah. in Game of Thrones, you know, they got yeah, the wall yeah. to get yeah, over. Yeah. Um, or it could be, you know, personal or whatever the case, but nature, that was always a big thing, that nature can also be a roadblock. And so I think just reading that made me realise, oh, I can use nature, I can use the environment to drive, Mm. you know, 
some things that are going to happen to these yeah. people. It doesn't always have to be the enemy coming. It doesn't always have to be your antagonist, yeah. like another group of people, especially when initially when it's Cecilia and Amelard, technically she's with her antagonist, you know, she's sort yeah. of with him. Um, so I'm, I was like, well, what can also help cause some more problems with those two? Anyway. Well, you look at like I'm teaching the Oregon Trail right now, you know, and you look at how just devastating that was for people to travel and, oh, you know, right. like just just even like, you know, there were no bridges. So they're trying to get across rivers right? You know, and just different things like that or. Yeah, or there's like a couple of chapters already. You can, you know, what I, I mean? know, right? Yeah. Well, I got these people that are like going past, like it's kind of like the wall. So I did like when Game of Thrones first came out, like the TV show, and I was like, oh, okay. And then that first like episode or two where they showed mm-hmm. the wall, and I was like, I said to my best friend, I was like, this guy George R. R. Martin stole my idea stole- for <laughs> the North for me, and then. You know, I thought about changing it for a while and I was like, no, I'm going to keep it. And I, nice. I replaced like, so, but then he also took the undead for me. I just want everybody to know that. Um, so I already had undead in mind. So for a reason, and mine is different than his. And I think it's very interesting personally uh, as a historian. So, but yeah, like I, I was like, oh, how am I going to get them, you know, over this wall and then do this thing. So I actually really think that doing the the visual storyboard well, is a he is a really stole good from real history we can still <laughs> him. it really That's doesn't fair. matter it's well, all I was telling my friend and i was like well, this is what i did this is what he did because he's read all the books and He's like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, it's still a really unique idea. I'm like, that's fair. But I was like, I was so mad when I watched that episode. <laughs> like, when I, I'm like, seriously. And then he had the, the the Night's Watch or whatever. And I was like, really? And then they had like a codified thing that they said. I'm like, really? I'm like, how did, you know, I'm like, how did two people come up with so similar, you know, of an idea? So then I had to change my world building. Dirk Ashen talked about that where like, um, for Paternus, where like, then you, somebody was like, oh, did you re- read, you know, um, Neil Gaiman? He's like, no, why? They're like, oh, some of your wording is the exact same as American God. So then he had to read that and he's like, gosh, darn it. Like, <laughs> you know, to like change some things around. But it's funny how that happens. But but yeah, I definitely think I'm going to be doing that because they go to quite a few places and all the places are where things happen. So to me, that's like, that's perfect. I have this one where like these, it's like a giant's crossing and it's kind of like uh, my nod to Tolkien in The Hobbit where like the storm giants come out and mm-hmm. they think it's like, it's just called Giant's Crossing because it's like a giant river and they have to figure out how to get across it. Well, then they actually see Giant's Crossing and like go through the river and stuff. So I just had, but I had such a cool picture that I found, like this guy had such a great illustration and I can't wait to get the book done because I want to, you know, I want to tell him like, hey, I got this idea from your painting uh, it's it's brilliant and yeah it's it's neat but yeah I definitely think that that is such a useful piece of advice I think a lot of people are I'm a teacher so I feel like most of my students are visual learners and you know I usually show them uh, something and you know yeah I think we are you know and, I am such a visual not my husband no no my husband can read a book like a how to mm-hmm. and he can do it I'm like no 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 oh, you've wow. got to show me you've got I gotta to watch YouTube you've got to watch it yes <laughs> yeah yes. If you so, showed me, I could probably do it, but you can't. Just, yeah, I can't I read. Book. It. I can't yeah. read instructions. It's, it's meaningless to me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. totally agree. <laughs> well, I look forward to printing my pictures off tomorrow now, and <laughs> I'll send it to you when I get done, and you can see. Well, what if you I'm, run out of color ink, don't blame me. No, no. <laughs> I'm thinking like Charlie Day, you know, where he's like explaining all his plot points. <laughs> uh. Got this the yarn everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, when it comes to character development, what exactly is your process? Sounds like you have some very interesting characters so how did you make them this interesting 
well, like I said earlier, I certainly don't want to make anyone evil for the sake of being evil. So mm. with Amalad being an assassin, I had to come up with how did he become an assassin? You know, what happened to him um, with all with all that? And the same with Cecilia. You know, I didn't want her to be just pure for the yeah. sake of being pure. You know, she, she's... Um, and I wanted them to be sort of a yin and yang with each other, Cecilia and Amalad. Amalad's very quiet, doesn't talk. Cecilia's a chatterbox, you know. So what was this dynamic of this, <laughs> this guy? And then the other thing is Amalad is very blunt. You know, he says what he says and he'll always say it in a very dry way, but Cecilia will misinterpret a lot of what he says. You know, so I did that to just, again, add character dynamic with these two very different people. Then when it came to book two, where I wanted to explore Amalad, I needed to have a similar kind of character like a Cecilia to draw stuff out, but I didn't want another female, so I mm. decided to come up with an older character, his uncle, mm. who, of course, he had no idea exists, and I didn't know he existed either. That's the brilliant thing of being an author, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hmm, let's pull in an uncle. <laughs> and um, his uncle's name is Fabillion. And Fabillion is just a character. He's my comic relief. But he, he the same thing. He will just, Amalad can be blunt and dry and harsh to, to Fabillion, but Fabillion, it just rolls off his shoulder. He's, you know, he's like, it's all right, nephew. You know, he calls him nephew. It drives Amalad crazy because he doesn't even know who this guy is. So I came up with this, this character who's lived in the mountains and he's just this crazy mountain guy. And then when we went on, when Amalab was going this journey, I knew I needed a third character. So I had Fabillion constantly pounding on him to, to rip his layers off. But then I also needed a reflective character that Amalad could look at and, and, and see innocence. So I had a younger boy, Oysen, mm. who's 14. And I sort of like the idea of this three generation, you know, father son child child kind of thing like this yeah, three yeah. generation so that was again those two characters came about because i needed to peel amalad's layers away if that makes sense so that's yeah, how no, i developed yeah. those two characters um when it came to the terrafellians windham is the leader of the terrafellians he is actually inspired by Charles Manson, oh, okay. believe it or not, but not, not the evil Charles Manson that we think. I read Charles Manson's biography um, and it fascinated me because, again, I wanted to know, I wanted to know how did he become? He wasn't born evil, was he? And he wasn't. He wasn't yeah. born evil, you know. He really wasn't. He had a horrible upbringing, the stuff that happened to him and then, meeting the wrong people at the wrong time and blah, blah, blah. But I read this one scene, this one part where the police raided his commune, sort of in the north of Los Angeles here, and Charles was hiding in, under, in, the, in the bathroom under the sink in the cupboard. Hmm. He hid under there. He's not, he's not this some brave kind of leader, you know. When the police came in, he hid, and the policeman said he was very polite. They opened up the door. And he was very, very polite and he just said, oh, okay, you know, like he didn't fight, he didn't do anything. And they said what struck them was how short he was. He was really short and timid and meek. 
And I just was like, wow. So that's kind of, I, I took that and that's who the character of my awful people, you know, that, that want the dark goddess down here. I, that's how I created Wyndham based on that kind of character. And, and I made him a leader who didn't really want to be a leader. He just didn't. Sort of like our bad characters of the world, when you hear about Hitler, his background is he just wanted to paint. He wanted yeah. to be a painter and that sort of didn't work out. Same thing with Wyndham. I mean, Wyndham didn't want to be a leader. He was a leader by default because his father was a leader and his father before him was a leader. But he, didn't want, he doesn't want to be a leader. Um, and so that's how I made him very conflicted and very troubled. And, um, and then I gave him a daughter to contrast that. I gave him a daughter who's exceptional. Saffron is exceptional. She can do anything. She can throw a stone and hit a, a target, you know, 200 feet away. You know, she's, she's just amazing. Everything that Wyndham wasn't, her dad, mm. he just can't do anything. He's useless. But what he can do is he's got a mind. The one skill Wyndham has is manipulation. He mm. knows how to manipulate people, and that's his only skill. So I guess that's sort of how I create my characters. I start with one little bud, and then I'm like, well, I've got to give them more depth. I've got to give them more conflict. If he has a child, what will this child be like? I'm nothing worse than, than a daughter being everything this man wanted to be but couldn't mm. be. So, um, yeah, that's sort of how I create my characters I sometimes I haven't sort of done it for a while I think I keep a lot of things in my head I'm, I'm I think I'm lucky that way that I can I've got a lot of friends who are screenwriters mm. and they say to me how do you write a story like how do you keep that novel how do you keep it all together and mm. I, I just have the ability to keep a lot of things in my head but um I do have a character trait cheat sheet thing mm, like okay. in the past you know the whole thing you know yeah. what's their favorite color what do they like but I just sort of go through all those things in my head and I just mm. keep all, all those in my head um for my characters um yeah I think well I like how you said that like you you do contrast in characters and uh, yeah. my friend said uh his writing teacher I believe called it the reflecting pool method Mm -hmm. Like I'm one way and, you know, I have these things established and then to pronounce them even more, you're the opposite. Yeah. And it yeah. reflects more on me, you know, and then it goes back to me and it like accentuates both characters instead of just one. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a really cool way to put it. I was like, I never really considered that, you know, before. And, and then when I thought about certain things that I've read that I really liked, I was like, oh, that's like the same you know, type of thing that this person did. So I, I've been thinking about that for two of my main characters because I have one that like is more focused on like the future and forgets that his best friend is there and that like really like these other things really don't matter, but he doesn't purposely use his friend as a means to an end. It's like, but he's selfish, like, and he doesn't even realize it and you don't realize it till later on and you realize that the other main character is he's completely selfless and he doesn't realize he's being taken advantage of until you get to the very end. And then it just blows up. And when my friend said that, he's like, yes, yeah, the reflecting pool method. I'm like, what are you talking about? You just did it naturally, right? You didn't realize yeah. you'd done it. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, he actually yeah. helped me. Cause I, cause it was, it, the two characters were boring. I felt like, like they were just, 
he's like, they get along too well. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. And he's like, they're, they're too similar. So you might as well just cut this character. I'm like, well, I really like this character because the character, the one character is me. I'm like, I've had friendships where I didn't realize for years or decades that people were taking advantage, you know, or that I was just giving too much or something. And so then when he said that, I was like, oh man, I was like, yeah, I could really, you know, do these opposite things that reflect. So I like how you did that because that just, it seems a lot more interesting that way than just randomly attaching characters to, you know, your two main characters, like. Yeah, no, you got to compare and contrast, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little yeah. hot and cold there. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah. fire and ice, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Uh, so how did you decide on your covers? Because I, I really like them. <laughs> did you plan I, on them matching or like right I, off the bat? Yes. Or did that just happen? Okay. No, no, no. What I did is I ran a competition on 99design. Oh, that's cool. Ran a competition. Yep. And I mean, because the, the good thing about that, which I, I didn't do, but you seriously can run a competition. And if you don't like any of the designs, you don't really, it's sort of a hundred money back guarantee. Mm. They do it as. However, I didn't do that. I, I bought the level where it was like, no, 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 I will guarantee someone will win. Because I wanted to make sure that, you know, I got the best of the best. Because yeah, I can yeah. imagine a lot of people would be like, well, if you're not, even going to guarantee anything i don't yeah. think i'm going to you know yeah so yeah a ton of designs came in we got a lot wow. of designs and i was getting a little bit disheartened because I, the thing is <laughs> i didn't know what i wanted i, I didn't yeah. quite know um i just didn't i, I just yeah. didn't know and then just this this design came in like that one that came in pretty much how it was wow and i was like and i loved the idea like the one thing i said that i wanted was that I like the idea, like, you can see here there's little trees. Yeah. Little yeah. trees in here, like all these little things. Like I love a cover that when you first see it, you get a general idea, but the more you look at it, you see more little things. Yeah. And so I sort of said that's sort of what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted until I saw it. And I just sort of liked the idea that it was big and bold. And I think if you see that cover, you'll know it if you see it again. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there's a lot of fantasy books out there a lot of them they look amazing like there's so many great designs out there but a lot of them all start to mesh into one yeah you know sure. sort Sci- of sci-fi has been doing that a lot lately too yeah particularly yeah. on kindle like they look great but they're not unique enough like i have i have to take i have to either put on my wish list right away or take a picture of it because i yeah. i won't remember later like i'll just be like oh there was somebody i think it was this author and yeah i, I totally agree yeah. with you. yours like really stood out and so, um, and then, yeah, and so we kept, once the competition was done, we told the, the guy um, that Ivan, we, I, I told him that I want book two and three done. And so, again, we just contracted with him to do book two and book three. And, again, similar thing, just making sure that each one, like, you know, little little things here, again, showing that you've got the city down there. Oh, that's and cool. The mountains. Um there is, they do have a blimp. They get, oh, they, that's neat. you know, and then on the last one, um, it was sort of hard. It was definitely very hard to come up with, again, what was going to be on the top here yeah. because we tried to do different things and it made the wolf look weird. So mm. we did have to come back to the city again. But interesting. Um, the stalagmites and stalactites for caves that we go oh, through. That's cool. um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, I just sort of liked that we were going to keep the, 
the main image of the wolf because that is such a huge yeah, symbol yeah. in it, the wolf. That's Amalad and he just is in it through the whole thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then, yeah. They look really good, like, side by side too. Um, I don't know. I think he shared somewhere on TikTok and I just saw him. I was like, oh, those are really cool. Like, <laughs> And I was like, it looked, because I saw the, the first, I saw Cecilia, but then when I saw all three of them, I was like, like, I was like, they just look really yeah. cool. I used to teach design, so I just, I, I really liked them. They, they have a it's, lot there. It's a tough call. Like, I, you got a book called Cecilia, right? And you, you know, it's a, it's a female name. I'll explain why the book is called Cecilia. It, it is because it was based on a ballet, and Cecilia is the patron saint of composers, and mm. so that's why she was called Cecilia cool. because of the connection with my husband. <laughs> and so, but part of me, I was like. Do I call it Cecilia? I was going to just go, no, I was going to maybe call it Vetus, you know, come up with a word because that's the city. Mm. I was going to come up with a word that might be a little stronger. But the more it sat with me, the more I just got used to it. And I'm like, no, I'm fine with calling it Cecilia. I wonder whether sometimes it might turn off males or not, but I'm surprised. I won a book, I won an award, and so we flew off to gosh, I can't remember where, but they held a um, book fair for us so we could oh, put up our cool. bookstalls and sell our books. And I was surprised at how many, like, young boys would come over and they they loved it. Like, they they liked the idea that it, um, I guess, wasn't too girl, even though it's called Cecilia, I think they see that it's not too girly kind of thing. Yeah. So they, they buy it um, and they love, the big thing is they love reading that there's an assassin. <laughs> That's yeah. the other big thing that they loved the idea of. So, look, yeah, book covers are tough. They yeah. really are a, a tough thing. And, um, yeah, I know they've been, all I can say is I'm aware that they're quite unique because they're bold. They're yeah. just very, I mean, red, white, and blue kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I saw the, the first book and then I, at first I was like, I was scrolling through TikTok. I was like um, trying to get more horror authors to come on. Uh, I haven't been able to find like any. So if anybody's out there, like cut my way. Oh, I can and, refer uh, you a horror author. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, be great. I'll refer someone. And yeah. I was like, oh, another horror author. What of like 10 I found on, you know, on TikTok. And then I looked up, you know, Cecilia and I was like, oh, this is this is totally different than what I thought. And I was like really excited. Um, not that I wouldn't be excited for horror, but I just, I just wasn't expecting that. And I was like, oh, it's such a cool title. And it really caught me. And I was like, immediately went to the blurb. And then I was like on, then I looked up the other two too. And I was like, add to Goodreads, add to Goodreads. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, it was so interesting. And I was like, oh, that's such a cool, I, it, it, it caught me off guard because, you know, I really wasn't expecting, you know, like your story to have that type of title. Like I was thinking that was more of like a horror title and I, I really liked it. I, it really got me thinking like, oh, like, you know, I, that, that was different, you know, and in a good way. And, you know, I just feel oh, like so sometimes like it's like, I, you know yeah. same thing as book covers right it just gets yeah. very repetitive you know yeah. and it's like so I just I, I liked it I just thought uh, that is such a cool simple thing to do that you know that really it drew me in right away as I was scrolling um which I think is a great advertising it's definitely thing, you know? great to hear thank you <laughs> yeah yeah I was <laughs> like oh that's cool so yeah. yeah as soon as I got I think I was the same way I was like there's an assassin and there's this and that and yeah <laughs> I was like I was instantly pulled in and then I, I just like stared at the covers for a while and I looked at him, I sent him to my buddy because him and I are studying a lot of covers to, to decide if we want to do something similar to your style, if we want to do like old school, 
you know, like fantasy or, you know, something like that. We're not quite sure. Cause we've seen some cool ones like yours where like, where the, the, you know, a lot of people were doing like the, the white background and then a cutout of like a monster or a person. And then, putting another one oh yeah you know what i mean like, like that like, montage thing yes I know yeah yeah i don't know yes i'm like yeah. i have like four different books that we took pictures of on my notes yeah. and totally blank on all of them but well like a few people were doing that at first and that was kind of a cool style that was like something people were doing a couple of years ago so yeah but but yeah so then i said of yours and he was like what are we gonna do i'm like i don't know <laughs> i'm like these are really cool um so yeah i just he was like you got to ask her how how that whole process happened so that's really cool i have to 99 design yeah, yeah you're like the third person that this has come up with within the last yeah. two days for me so i think it's fate that i'm destined to check them out but yeah yeah, yeah. we we were really impressed by them we talked about them for about 40 minutes when i found them uh on on tiktok so that was really cool um so speaking of tiktok uh how have you used social media such as TikTok, to grow your audience and build your author platform? Yeah, social media. <laughs> Honestly, um, TikTok has pretty much been it for me. I mean, I tried Twitter and Instagram, and for some reason TikTok seems to be working. I tend to like it a lot more than the other platforms. I don't like social media in general. Like it is, hmm. if I think most authors just we struggle because I'm getting used to being in front of the camera, but it was very difficult. It was very difficult at first. It was just this comfort, this totally out of my comfort zone to mm. be on camera. Um, but, and then just sort of TikTok is, if you're not used to it, I don't know if you remember the first time you went to TikTok, but it's kind of weird. It's like, I do. What are doing? I don't understand yeah. what's happening. I don't yeah. understand. It reminded me of like Vine back in the day where oh. it was kind of similar, but it was totally different. I was like, I, don't, my, I was watching for a while and I was like, I wasn't even going to do it until I had a friend who was like, yeah, I like shared my book and I got like 10,000 views. I'm like, that's the what? Thing. Like, I, I kind of wish I had gone on it earlier. I did open an account like mm. before the pandemic, but I never really did anything. Mm. I sort of wish before the pandemic, because apparently that's when it exploded. It blew up. Yeah. I know Especially a lot of people. Book talk. Book talk became yep. really big. I was like, damn it. Yep. Um, that's fine. Um, Oh, oh, so pretty much TikTok is all I do. And mm. then I just repurpose my videos on mm. Insta and oh, using Reels and stuff. Yeah. Um, I've been playing with the whole, I don't know if you heard about this, the, the watermark, that if you repurpose a video, that if you have the TikTok watermark, you don't get as many views on Instagram and on Facebook. And I've been playing to try and figure it out. And I think it's true. I think it's true. There was... One video I posted on Insta where I kept, you know, just had the TikTok watermark, hardly any views, mm. took the watermark out, and like 400, 4,500 views. Wow. And mm. I just went, this is so interesting. So I'm just, I'm not sure, but I kind of believe them when people say that um, the watermark. I've heard that a lot recently. And definitely I, I do agree that if you make, the video inside of it, you know, again, if you're using the native, whatever it is, TikTok or, or, or Instagram, um, what do you call it, user interface? Yeah, yeah. You use the native one, then you get more views. Then I kind of feel that that's true as well, as opposed to doing something outside and then uploading it. Yeah, yeah. My friend um, does that. Like he, they film 
whatever and like he keeps it within you know like the parameters of both uh, particularly TikTok for like three minutes or whatever mm-hmm. but they do that and then he puts them on separately and right. it seems to work for him like I don't know if it's just his videos or you know when he's posting but or like his content it's pretty funny um you know but it, it seems to work for him he gets far more views content? It's, it's like it's it's comedy book talk oh, if that makes sense you. like he like he loves listening to oh like he did one that was really funny um he'll probably kill me for saying this but um you know like don't like like say anything where he's like holding up the boom box and he was doing it to like his tbr pile uh because he bought another book so he was like holding up his <laughs> like speaker to his like tbr pile when his other books are over here it was hilarious so I think that one was like he yeah he just that was one of the first ones he posted where he had the video and then he did it like posted oh, it separately and and he's yeah. not really seeing a difference so I'm not 100 sure whether yeah. there's a difference or not I don't it's interesting know. yeah but then somebody a couple other people told me that's what they did and then theirs like blew up on both so I'm like I they did I'm it like, separately I don't know. or they yeah they did yeah, the one video and then they yeah. yeah so then they like it was almost like an original on e- either one so yeah. they didn't so I stopped doing the when TikTok asked me, I stopped doing it. I didn't even do that. So I think I might start recording just on my phone. Yes. And I think I'm just going to go to TikTok separately and then Instagram separately. I think it's, I definitely think so. And then at least when you're in TikTok, you can put the TikTok things on there, you know, like little words or whatever. So you're using something within TikTok. But definitely, I think the watermark, you know, how like TikTok will say, do you want to show it to Facebook? Do you want to show it to Insta? I don't do that anymore. I don't. Yeah. I, just, I think I, they're blocking it. Like literally. Yeah, I, think I, I like, do yeah. too. And it's not that difficult. A little bit of finagling in Photoshop to sort yeah. of get rid of the watermark, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was so that. interesting that somebody else on Twitter was like, yeah, I just, uh, we just had this weird conversation about it and um, on TikTok. And then I went on and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, this thing blew up. I was like, and then I went to Insta- his Instagram, this other author, and then his blew up. But I was like, how'd you do that? He goes, yeah, I just filmed. He goes, well, we talked about it. He goes, so I tried it. He's like three times and it's worked way more than before. He's like, I just film and then I just do them separate. I'm like, yeah, that must just be, you know, and I just talked to my best friend who's my tech guy. And we talked about that and we're like, we think that they're limiting the views for TikTok on like their platforms or that Instagram will do, let's say the same thing or whatever. Like, so yeah, I definitely think that doing it separately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with all this technology, they can search for watermarks. I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, totally, totally. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if people try and do yeah. them separate. But yeah, that's very interesting. Well, I definitely think you're right about TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think TikTok's the new one because we were just talking about Twitter earlier, and it's like I feel like mm-hmm. I it's like dead now. It's like yeah. Ever since they changed their algorithm, which I don't know why they did. Like before, you know, they'd be like in on a Sunday or Saturday, right? Self-promo Saturday, like two months ago would have been like, you know, like 4,000 hashtags or something at any given day throughout Saturday. And now it's like, it's dead. And I'm like, I don't know why you would purposely yeah. do that to your platform. Well, but Another test. So this is where we connected with each other. I posted about my, my video started things male writers never have to hear. And then I yeah. told a story about how the post office guy was like, oh, I don't read science fiction or fantasy written by women. Right. Drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh gosh. Um, and I thought, well, let me tweet that out. You know how people will tweet a story. So I did yeah. that. Crickets. Crickets. I tell that story on TikTok. I got so much interaction. And I had just started TikTok. I think at the time I had like 
you know, I really just started. I had like maybe 10 followers. That was one of oh, my wow. first videos that I had posted. It was very early on. And um, yeah, and so that's what I'm, what am I on Twitter for? What's the point? I can post uh -huh. something real that happened and I get way more interaction on TikTok than Twitter was crickets. I think I yeah, had one yeah. person, one person liked one of my one of my tweets. I used to have like 150 <laughs> interactions in a day. Like people would, you know, vice versa. Like I would go and my wife's like, gosh, yours just like blows up. And, you know, people were, oh, I didn't have a lot of followers, but we were interacting constantly. Yeah. Now it's like, I might have, I, on, I checked the other day and I did it last week. I checked every day and I was posting constantly for the podcast on both and my update for books and stuff. And I literally had on average 22 a day. Now you're talking that's on average down 115 wow. per, you know, before they changed their algorithm, whatever that was like before October. And I'm like, that's a lot of, you know, just missed opportunity. But then TikTok, you know, like you popped up. And like I said, I found you and four other people all within like the same sit in 10 minutes, like we came on the for you page. And I was like, yep. Oh, that's yep, yep. You know what? I'm curious about that. So I, that's what happened. I came down your for you page. Yep. Yep. You came on my for you. And fascinating. I've always so, wondered about that. Yeah. And like, I flick through my page and I very rarely get new people. I don't understand. Was, did someone check a keyword? Was it a hashtag that they found me? Because most of my for you's are people that I'm just connected with. Oh, that's interesting. That's so interesting. It really okay. is. Cause I, I mean, we're talking like, works. there's so many people like yourself that I, like I'll go through, obviously a lot of it's like spicy authors. Um, if they do like grim dark or fantasy or something like outlook or sci-fi or something, but I'm like, eh, not really, not really, not really. But you know, every once in a while, I find somebody like yourself and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like that's my kind of thing. So, yeah. but I'm, I'm liking it though, because they throw more at me like Twitter used to, and I can sort through it on mm. the For You page, you know, and yeah, I yeah. found a lot of people to connect with that way where now I don't, I don't even have to look anything up. It's just people are popping up on there. So I like that because I don't want to, I don't want to do that much work, you know, like I want them to, right. well, because that's their job, you know, is yeah. to, and I yeah. think Twitter just doesn't do that anymore. Like I'm seeing people like, you know, like so-and-so retweeted this. I'm like, there's no book talk, basically. There's no writing community. I'm like, I said to somebody, I was like, if I didn't have, you know, so many connections on there, like that's why I kept Facebook for so long. Cause I've spent years building up, you know, different comic book artists, martial arts right. stuff. I'm into like, you know, yeah. book stuff. I'm like, there's just too many people to, you know, that I would have to move from one platform. Not everybody does Twitter, you know, or, Instagram right. or whatever yeah. so and now I've gotten more people on Facebook I've become more with friends with more people authors on Facebook than I have anywhere else and it's nice because their algorithm change back to the mutual friends is doing a lot better so I probably just friended like 50 different illustrators and authors on Facebook that I never would have found before and it all started from three people that I found on Twitter and then we got more and more mutuals. So that's been more helpful now than Twitter. I just, it's crazy. And Instagram, Instagram was good for me until they changed their um, algorithm too. Like I had started like my author Instagram and I had got up real quick to like 380 or something like that with followers. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm still at 381, <laughs> but I've had like 30 people like, you know, followed me in the last couple months. And then I, they just disappear. I'm like, it's just, it's crazy how, Instagram and Twitter just changed everything. And I oh, think TikTok, I think is, it's been a lot better for the, I know they change things too. So, you know, like I have limited views on certain things, but it's nice because I find more people like yourself, 
and I don't have to find them. You just pop up right up on my for you page. So yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I'm curious why. Like, I know I'm following more right. authors, yeah. but yeah, it's hard because they haven't narrowed it down to the authors that I like or in my realm. They just throw me authors or yeah, or book talk or whatever. But but it's nice because I you know it is nice to have more to search through than Twitter because Twitter is just impossible now. Like, I'll go to the people and I'll look up fantasy author, indie author sci-fi author and it's like it just gives me everybody I've already followed and random people it's like uh, I want like top followers or something you know like the um author has me today Caitlin it's like she's got 11,000 followers you know and this and that and it's like why isn't she up there you know it's it's somebody's got 48 followers no offense but like and it's just writing I'm like I want somebody that's published a book so it's like it's just so much to search through it's like not even worth my time and yeah. I very rarely like like if someone shared yours your profile, I would click on it and then I will go, oh, cool. I haven't followed Sandra yet. And I would follow you, but it is like a diamond in the rough right now. And I like that, you know, TikTok is giving me more because it's just, right. it makes it, it's better than the alternative. So yeah. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting, but yeah, I found you came up right on my for you page. And then I had a few other people that day too. I probably looked up you, um, the four other people. And then there was like 20 that I looked up and some I was just like, ah, it's not really my thing, but, um, but it was kind of, you know, it was more my thing than what they were sending me recently. And ever since that day, like I've had a lot more, so I'm like, cool. Like, so just following you, your page and then the four other people like already helped me get more people on my, for you that, you know, were right. more my, interesting. you know, yeah. So it was very, very interesting. I'm wondering oh, when they, easy. yeah, it really is. Cause I'm wondering like, you know, like at least TikTok had the communities and I'm wondering like his book talk is really big, you know, and yeah. it's like, there's so many little, I think we need like to do like a fantasy talk or something or, you know, something or a sci-fi talk or whatever right. so that yeah. it narrows it down a little bit more, but it's better yeah. to have more than less at this point. But yeah, nice. it's interesting. I still can't believe that guy said that though. That's like, Oh, outrageous. I know. Like, I know. I, <laughs> I mean, you probably didn't see, I had another talk that I said afterwards that what happened to me in Australia Oh, no, so I saw I that, that one too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did? Yep, yeah. Yep. So that was like completely different. The post office in Australia, I sold like three books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, I literally like saw that and I went and complained to my wife because it <laughs> happened to two of, because I like was interviewing a lot of like female authors for February, she wrote. And the stories I got were just outrageous like that. And I like was on my phone and I like went and talked to my wife right after that because I had two other friends who had just said they had the same, like a similar thing happened in the same like the sci-fi community and I like went to her I was like I was like this lady said the same thing <laughs> like that you know that these two women said I was like she's like I don't know what to tell you like some men just yeah. suck or whatever and I was just like oh my gosh like but for me it was sort of like I don't people have their preferences that's like it's fine yeah, yeah. what I thought was fascinating was he's the fact that he vocalized it you know, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing. The yeah. fact that he actually chose to vocalize it. He could have just kept the thought in his head. I yeah, just yeah. don't. And then, you know, I mean, I just didn't know how to respond. Yeah. Just not oh, used sorry. To it. You just go quiet and you just go, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, sorry for our audience. Uh, Sandra was oh, at the yeah. post office and um, sharing a story on TikTok where a man said that basically like he didn't read, you know, female fantasy authors and I blew up <laughs> as this as this channel knows because I'm just like oh my gosh like and you know and I said this quite a bit for February she wrote to like Elaine Cunningham um 
changed my life with her Forgotten Realms books. And I, I would not be, she's like one of the, the three people that wrote that. And like Ursula K. Le Guin's another one, um, like top three that like definitely made me want to write. And I just can't imagine being one of those people that's like, oh, I'm not going to read this because a woman wrote it. Like, it's like, fine, don't enjoy all these great books by women authors then. Like, don't don't read, you know, Frankenstein And all the something. books that are written by women but just have a male pseudonym right yeah 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 yeah. that's the thing oh half that the time that half drove the time me don't even crazier. realize you're reading a, a female so yeah that drove me crazy because my friend jennifer has to do that as jay swift so that people don't realize like in sci-fi that she's a girl and i was like i blew up at that i was like seriously like great books great covers i'm like i'm like you should be able to put your name on it and people should buy it like i don't I, know i went through that i i did go i think most i don't know I'll just speak for myself as a female. I went through that period of, like I said, do I change the title of the book from Cecilia Mm. and do I change my name? Do I do the whole initials, SL, blah, 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 you know, like to step away from being a female. But then I was like, no. You know, I actually (laughs) like this, that this new statistic came out recently. And this is probably why I'm drawn to fantasy community more is that um, like 68% of Amazon Kindle sales for the fantasy community were driven by by women and or at least that identified as women on you know like kindle or whatever and to me like like that's very telling and i was talking to my best friend about this in terms of my books and i was like well i have a lot of strong female protagonists for a reason because i find them interesting to write and Mm -hmm. find them interesting to read and some of my favorite characters have been female like princess leia i still think is one of the greatest characters that you know, yeah. and she's just a total bamf. And I, like my, my mom, my grandma, like I've been my aunts, I've been surrounded by strong women my entire life. So I'm a man that's not afraid of them and respects them. So I like them to pop up into my writing. So I just, you know, I, but I have certain characters where, you know, we talked and we were like, these characters are like, I flip-flop genders for a few where I'm like, okay, like, you know, I have a couple people read and a couple, you know, female friends of mine who write, and I'm like, so what do you think? Like, you know, is this character, this character be better as a man or a woman? And I flipped quite a few recently, like back and forth, just because of different things. And I find that, you know, I just find that outrageous. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't know. It's such a stupid problem to have. Like, authors have enough to worry about, and I know three ladies to have to worry about. Oh, I can't put my name on it. It's like, no, you should be able to put your name on it. Like, that's your work. Like, that yeah. just really drives me nuts so if anybody does that let me know and we can have a TikTok conversation <laughs> um but yeah and I can explain why you're wrong um but yeah that just that was outrageous yeah. so yeah so guys uh, who are listening I I kind of blew up on TikTok and privately with some friends on that so <laughs> I did not like that <laughs> but I was glad about your Australian story I thought that was, yeah that was that awesome. was like karma was like hilarious yeah, it was it's really funny <laughs> Oh man, that day I was yeah. ashamed to be an American man. That's all I have to say. I was just oh, like, oh. <laughs> no, like, you're awesome. You're amazing. <laughs> it's like, stop giving us a bad name, man. Like, pizza. pizza. <laughs> uh, so for that last one, so do you have any news, promos, updates, or current projects you would like to share with us? I do. Promo wise, I have promo codes for the audiobook of Cecilia, the oh, that's Australian cool. book too. I can't tell you, Daniel, it is really difficult to give away audiobooks. <laughs> I did. I did a giveaway for book one, but the actual physical book got a ton of people. Yeah, I want it, I want it, I want it. Audiobook, I mean, I've got a few people, but 
crickets. It's people don't really want audiobooks. So anyway, now granted, this is limited to US and UK, but that shouldn't matter. Mm. That's still a big audience. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I your can't biggest give audiences. away these yeah. audiobooks. People, you know, so anyone, if you're an audio person, I huh. will give you just, I don't know how they Google me, I'm easy to find. I will give you an audiobook for um, Cecilia, The Order of Terrafelian. And then upcoming projects, I am starting a new fantasy series, again, based on another ballet. <laughs> very loosely, very loosely. <laughs> my, my husband um, was, again, going to do this, this ballet. Not really sure where it's going, but he was loosely telling me the story and I just sort of wasn't. And I knew, I knew he was telling me because he wanted me to take it on as a, as a novel. <laughs> I'm like, I just... Uh, so we were Not again. Drive, <laughs> And we were talking and I said, the only way this will work for me is if I can put magic into it. Mm. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, it's so different. It's not even close to what he pitched. And his story was <laughs> really very basic. I think his story was more um, inspired by Russia, what's happening mm. with Russia, you know, how mm. Putin is sort of, coming to the forefront again you know yep. just this this yeah and, and anyway that's all that was so my series is called the isles of Terimdra, and it i'm in the very early stages but i've had to do all my backstory on it's much bigger than cecilia as i'd probably say it's 10 times bigger um it's just huge in regards to the backstory the mythology um, I've got already 50 pages in my document. I like to have these documents where I compile all my pictures that I tell you about. Yeah. Compile all the pictures and just getting the backstory to get us to present day is already 50 pages. Oh, wow. Figuring out what's happened. To get into this, I rewatched Game of Thrones. Oh, cool. Did a marathon, rewatched it because, oh, gosh, I'm watching it going. Uh, you read interviews with George Martin and he'll just talk about how he was writing for television and he just got this image about this family. I mean, these, these you know, yeah, I guess family going off and finding the dire wolves. And then I think he said, he'll, um, yeah, that was kind of the main thing. That was his first thing he had an image of. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. And so then he comes up with this whole series, but even in book, one like in book one we're hearing about the white walkers and the wall and you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah so he would have had to do all this backstory first he would have had to know his mythology would have had to know about the children of the forest and the white walkers he may not have known how the white walkers were created i have to yeah. wonder about that when did he decide that that happened yeah, yeah. We'd have to at least know basic stuff that these white walkers existed and the children existed because Bran, very early on, Bran falls and he becomes the third-eyed raven. Yeah. You know, like all these weird things that he had to have known right from the start. And the only way you can do that is by going back in history, going back, 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 back. And so this time around, I'm, I went, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's cool. From right when my world was created, who are the gods? Who are the gods that created this world and how did we get to where we are right now kind of thing? <laughs> and it's been crazy. Yeah. Really crazy. yeah. But, um, so anyway, magic is involved and the premise is where we are today, magic doesn't, well, magic exists. Everyone's forgotten how to use it. Mm. That's sort of where we are today. So um, this is going to be this big, 
epic story about one guy, again, going along the whole thing with Putin. I read up about Putin and I'm like, why, why is Putin doing what he's doing? And yeah. apparently it, it's a love. He misses what Russia used to be. He misses the old Russia yep. thing. He actually so, watched the Berlin Wall fall, actually, uh, which I thought was interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've got a similar guy who's descended from this line. If, if he looks back in history, there were wizards, not anymore, and he wants that old world. He, oh, that's cool. He longs for that again, and so he finds a way to bring that back. But the whole reason that all went away is because it got too dangerous and mm. everything went to pot. And so our protagonist, female Regan, she's got to stop him, you know. And the only way she can stop him, right, is to also tap into magic as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's kind of, So it's the rebringing of magic back. So that's, oh, that's awesome. That's that sounds that's cool. Yep. And so the research is done. So technically tomorrow? No. Yes, tomorrow is my plan to actually start writing. Oh, wow. Well, that's exciting. Get the first words down. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, that's um, that's going to keep me busy for the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Well, that yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. It is Thank funny you. that, though, you do say, like, when you said, like, the audio book, like, I just laugh because I'm like, I I did notice that with another one of my friends. He was like, yeah, I'm just trying to get some reviews. He's like, nobody's taking them. And he goes, but then I sold more. And I'm like, you sold more? Like you tried to do a giveaway and you, nobody wanted it, but you sold more? He goes, yeah. I was like, okay. Wow. And I'm like, part of me, I get, because like, I have like a lot of friends, you know, that are authors. And I'm like, like, I, I will literally like buy their Kindle book particularly if, it, if for some reason it's on sale or whatever. I'm like, okay, 99 cents for sure. And then yeah. I'm like, especially if I like it, then I save up and buy the print. <laughs> and then once I read it, then I buy the Audible. And like one of my friends was like, oh, I'm giving it away. I'm like, I was like, no, it's going to be really good. And I, he told me about like the story, you know, of like how it came to be. And it was so rough. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to pay the like 20 bucks. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if it's that because some people, you know, like really do know how much goes into the audio book. Like I'm just, it's weird. It's weird that you can't give it away. Like that's strange. Yeah. Hmm. And speaking of that, I'm actually going to do the audio of book three myself. Got narrated one of book two. Um, For no other reason, book two took a year and that kind of, no, a long time. My audio girl was great, but I, I understood it was the pandemic and things yeah, happened. Yeah. And but boy, a year was just such a long time. It really so is. Yeah. I thought I'm going to try and see how it goes, but I'm I'm a little bit worried because I can barely get through a paragraph without flubbing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure how it's going to go. But again, being married to a composer really helps. I've got an amazing um, microphone that he's given me. He put up, can't see, but I've got all these sound blankets around. And oh, cool. We'll see how we go. He's completely set me up with everything. Yeah, that's yeah. my other goal as well, oh, is to do cool. the audio book for book three. That'd I'm be cool. Be I would, I would oh, love to God. hear how that how that goes. Because I've, I've, I've heard people like, you know, who, you know, like they, uh, I think Michael R. Fletcher was talking about this on Wizard Words and Words, but they like, he did that, I think, or is about to do that. So he's been looking up all sorts of stuff and got like a new microphone and you know, he's got a pretty good, he's be a musician or whatever. And mm. so I, you know, he's got a pretty good setup, but I think Jed Hearn did his too for Thunder Heist or something like that. So 
that they like they were talking about how like like looked up different things that people suggested and stuff and i've known quite a few people have done their own recently because the same thing like they were like oh i don't want to wait a year like some people i know got like a year and a half and they're like well my book three is coming out and i like have to get it done to generate sales for you know for for book three and it was cheaper that way so yeah yeah i'd be interested to see your process for that and like how it goes and i just because i've done a couple of test reads and even though, I mean, you probably know this as an author, we read, you do read your stuff out loud. I mean, you're told to do it. All the I time. Do, I read my stuff out loud. <laughs> but honestly, oh my gosh, it's not the same. When you're reading it out loud for an audio book, it's amazing. It's totally different. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm like, I think I'd want to change it. You know, like all of a sudden I realized how sometimes some of my sentences are a bit tough or whatever, yeah. which I didn't notice when I read it out just casually to myself. But when you're reading it out and trying to do inflections for. Yep the listener yeah yeah. So i actually want to do it for learning i, I yeah. just kind of bite the bullet and do it to just see how much it it helps me as an author well know, my friend does that like um he he was doing out loud but then when he tried to do his audiobook he was like i couldn't do it he's like i i realized that like for him at least he's like like he he learned a lot about his writing from it so he recorded it did the whole thing and then he listened to it to fix book two so I thought that that was so I can, interesting. Oh, like, I yeah. can see, yeah I, yeah, I can see that I'm already, doing I'm that. like, damn it. You know, yeah. you do learn a lot by yeah. doing it yourself, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I thought about doing that, like just adding it like one yeah. way through and recording it. And then, so I have like a 45 minute drive to work and back in another town. And I thought, well, that would be perfect because I could just, you know, put it for myself on like YouTube and make it private and listen to the different chapters on the way to work. And then yep. I could be like, Ooh, that was horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. or, or, you know, or something before publishing it. So I think that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, my, we talked about like my tech guy and I like how to section it and stuff to do notes and things, but yeah. yeah. And like, I was going to have a recorder in the car. So then I'll just turn on the recorder through my Bluetooth and then I'll just record notes or whatever. Uh, and I was like, well, I can get a lot of work done that way, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting though, but I, I'll be interested to see the process for you and, you know, the do's and don'ts and things like that. I always love when people do stuff like that. That way we can pick their brain and <laughs> see how it went and, you yeah. know, things like that to improve. So yeah, that's cool. It's yeah. going to be interesting. It's really neat. Yeah. All right. Well, Sandra, thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Like I said, I was really excited. You're my first TikToker to, to pop on out of five. So I'm really anxious Yay, to get the rest exciting. of you guys on here. And anytime you want to come back, you know, you got anything else going on, you know, um, you know, once you get the audiobook done or anything like that, or you're just like, oh, I really want to talk about this thing that happened or that I discovered or writing tool, anything, you just let me know and we'll set up a time and uh, yeah, we'll get it going. So thank you, Daniel. I so appreciate you doing this and thank you for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Anytime. I got really excited about printing off my pictures for tomorrow and uh, <laughs> I will make sure that I send it to you on email or TikTok that we could see when I when I put them up, I'm really anxious to get that going. I already have the little, uh, oh, um, kind of like a roadmap kind of thing. Like I already have some of those tools already around, so it'll be cool. And I'll be a Charlie Day meme before you know it. So that'll be really exciting. Um, uh, make sure everybody who's listening, you check out the descriptions for anywhere that you have found this podcast. So you can check out Sandra's uh, social links. They'll go right to her books, um, author profiles, things like that. Goodreads, for instance. Uh, so make sure you guys do that and check out her books and uh, maybe, you know, go uh, check out her audio books too. <laughs> uh, Sandra, 
Yeah, Sandra, I hope you have a great rest of the evening and I hopefully will talk to you soon on TikTok, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good one.